Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash baldhead Bible. And there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Do you remember when you were saved? Do you remember your life before salvation? The troubled path you were headed down, maybe, or the terrible future that was awaiting you before you met the Savior? For me, I was saved when I was five years old, so I don't remember a lot before that, you know? What I do remember is that I was headed to hell and separation from my mom and dad for eternity and ultimately from Jesus and that's what I felt and and I didn't want that and so one evening in Jamaica of all places my dad was a missionary there I I went forward in an evangelistic service and asked Jesus to save me because I didn't want to be separated from Jesus for eternity and I didn't want to be separated from my parents and my loved ones who were all saved by then I didn't want to be separated from them. I wanted to be together. And the simple faith of a child, right? It was that simple. I saw where I was headed without Jesus, and so I asked him to save me. But some of you have amazing stories of redemption. Mine seems rather boring when I hear so many others who were in real trouble, and and Jesus rescued their lives and turned their lives around. Well, today, we're going to hear another pouring story of salvation but you know what when this guy gets saved he changes the world the story of redemption is never really boring right and why is that because it is what god does with that submitted life that makes the difference and jesus is never boring Well, so far in our story, right, Jesus had just been asked to go, to leave that area. Remember, he had healed those two men. He had gotten rid of the demonic spirits that were in them. He had rescued them. He had saved them. He had totally turned these men who were hurting people, totally transformed their lives into following him. And for doing it, what was he asked to do? He was asked to leave. The people did not want him. They didn't want his healing, his salvation. They wanted to keep their demonically ravaged area, right? They wanted to keep their lack of hope and redemption, you know? I don't think these people knew what they were rejecting. I don't think they knew who they were sending away. Well, Jesus leaves. He does exactly what the people wanted. He and his disciples get back in the boat and head back to Jesus' hometown, that of Capernaum. 
they sailed back across the Sea of Galilee. And I wonder if the disciples made sure, you know, Jesus was awake all the way across. Because if you remember last time, they were nearly sunk and they couldn't get Jesus to wake up and they nearly died. So, hey, let's just keep Jesus awake all the way across. You know, they're probably saying, just so in case you can calm the sea when we need it. Well, when they landed, Jesus and his disciples headed for his hometown of Capernaum their base city. Well, there Jesus began to perform some miraculous healings, proving that he is God, that he is the Son of God. One of the miracles he performed was healing a paralyzed man. This man's family and friends had probably heard Jesus was in town, so they put Let's call him Frank. They they put Frank on a stretcher and began to walk him to where they had heard Jesus was residing. Well, when Jesus saw them approaching, he decided to heal the man already. Now, that is essentially what Matthew says. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, Jesus said, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Matthew 9. Now, what Matthew doesn't tell you is how these men demonstrated their faith in Jesus and their love for their friend. In the Gospels of Mark and Luke, these writers say they demonstrated it by tearing a hole in the roof of the home Jesus was staying at and lowering their friend on a stretcher down into the mass of people below. Now that is faith. My friend must see Jesus. I believe that Jesus can heal him. I will do anything I can to get my friend to see Jesus. So far, I will bust a hole in the roof of this building to get him close to the only man who can heal him, Jesus. Wow. You know, I wonder, what would I do to get people to Jesus? What am I willing to do to get my friends and family in contact with the only one who can save them? hope like these people that I'm willing to stop at nothing. I hope I'm that brave and that courageous. So Jesus seeing this man's faith and the faith of his friends, Jesus says to the paralyzed man, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Matthew 9 verse 2. Now, did Jesus heal him right there and then? Was this man still paralyzed at this point? I mean, there's no talk of him getting off the stretcher, you know? There's no talk of him immediately standing up and leaping around. No, Jesus simply tells this man that his sins are forgiven, not that his legs would work. I wonder. Well, it really doesn't matter because what Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, that simple phrase upset some people in the crowd. When Jesus said that he had forgiven this man's sins, well, this group of men in the crowd began to murmur. Blah, 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 blah. I can't believe he said that. Blah, blah, blah. Blasphemer! Blah, blah, blah. You know, they began to yell and occasionally blurt out, Blasphemer! Heretic! So they began to grumble and complain. You can't forgive sins. Who do you think you are, Jesus? Only God can forgive sins. And are you claiming to be God? Blah, blah, blasphemer, heretic. You know, Jesus hears these mum murmurings. Jesus heard their murmuring. He heard their complaints. 
And he, he knew their hearts. See, these men were called the scribes. These were the men who knew their Bible. They probably knew it way better than me. If you had a question about the law, you went and talked to the scribes. If you needed something written out, some legal document, you went and talked to a scribe. These were powerful men who would give opinions about the Torah and about all the laws built on the Torah. And they would also do all this legal work for you and writing stuff down. These were powerful men in their community. And for them to not be happy... Well, that was bad for Jesus. That was like being canceled from social media in our age, you know? You don't want the keepers of the internet to kick you off of Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or Instagram. Well, for Jesus to have the scribes call him a blasphemer, that was just about the same thing. That was bad. They were trying to cancel him in front of all those people. Well, Jesus knows what they think, right? But Jesus also knew what he, Jesus, was doing. And he wanted these men to make that exact conclusion. I am Jesus, and I am God, and therefore I can forgive sins. But instead of stating that directly at them, Jesus, instead, he asked them a question. It says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 5, Jesus asked this question, For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? Which is easier, to forgive sins or to heal a man so he can walk again? Well, now this question is ultimately impossible to answer because there is no answer really. Both are hard to do for us mere mortals. But if you were God... I think both of those would be easy. Jesus is asking them that if he had healed the man, they would not have called him a blasphemer. But since he forgave sins, suddenly Jesus is a heretic? Their logic made no sense. If he had healed the man, oh, he's not a blasphemer. But because he forgave this man's sin, he is? Ultimately. The problem was, these men didn't grasp who Jesus was. I am the Son of God, and I can forgive sin and heal. That's what Jesus is saying. So Jesus answers his own question by saying, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then says to the paralytic man, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home, Matthew 9, verse 6. So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Hey, dude, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And guess what? Then the man gets up and walks away. A man paralyzed all his life is now healed and whole. Jesus forgives sins, but he also heals he is God, but notice something else. When he said to this man, rise up and pick up your bed and go home, what did Jesus call himself? He called himself the Son of Man. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus called himself the Son of Man. 
Wow. Mind-blowing. If these scribes thought forgiving sins made Jesus a blasphemer, Jesus just took it to the next level of blasphemy by calling himself the Son of Man. I can imagine these scribes are getting angry. I mean, they totally forget the miracle that just happened right in front of them. They're getting upset and angry. He can forgive sins, and now he calls himself the Son of Man. See, that phrase comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 10. And in using it, Jesus is essentially communicating to everybody there that he is Messiah and that he is bringing in the kingdom of God here on earth. He's not only calling himself God, he's also calling himself the Messiah, the coming Messiah King predicted in Daniel. Sadly, these scribes, these teachers of the law, they didn't know who was standing in front of them. A man who could forgive sin and heal and who claimed to be the Messiah? This is God. And look, he just proved it by healing this man of his paralysis. Look, look, scribes, Jesus is God. Look, readers of the book of Matthew. Matthew is telling us in his story, wake up. Jesus is your king. He is your Messiah. And he is God. And yet these scribes, they probably walked away. They were wise on the specifics of the Torah and the law and all the minutiae of how to live a good life built on Jewish thought and doctrine. But in the end, they completely missed the person of Jesus. The power of Jesus. The reality of who Jesus is. Sadly, people are still in that same boat today, right? They see Jesus. They hear his stories. They go to VBS every year. They go to Awana regularly. They attend Sunday school. But in the end, when they get older, they walk away. They refuse to repent and to submit and give their lives to Jesus. Man, I hope if you're young, you're not one of them. And I hope that if you're older, repent. Change your life around. Submit to God. Know who he is. Give your life to the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth. Well, now in the story, we meet one of those sinners. One of those people rejected by the scribes and the Pharisees. A, a pariah to his own community. Someone also hated by the Jewish people. See, now we're going to hear the story of somebody that Jesus said, you know what, this gospel of the kingdom is for you, scribes, but it's also for hated people on the margins of society. And that man that we're about to meet, his name is Matthew, the teller of our story, the man who wrote the book we're now reading. See, Matthew was a tax collector. And a tax collector in Jesus' day was hated by the Jewish people. They were hated because they robbed the people for one reason. The average tax collector would pay for the right to collect taxes in a particular region. And it was expensive to get that right, to franchise your little tax booth. 
And so these tax collectors would charge fees on top of the tax they were collecting. And these fees were often huge, exorbitant, expensive fees. So the tax collectors were getting rich off the back of the Jewish people. And so the average Jew found it hard to not only pay the Roman tax, but now they had to pay the tax collectors' fees on top of it all. Plus, the second reason they hated tax collectors was the fact that the Romans were an invading force. And these tax collectors... They were helping the enemy. They were helping the enemy oppress the Jewish people. They were working with the enemy. They were traitors to the Jewish nation. So if you were a tax collector, you were rejected and hated by Jewish society. And you were often pushed to the fringe of society. You weren't invited to parties. You weren't invited to any great mall openings or any great town activity. Nope, you were rejected. Quite honestly, a lot of tax collectors were bad men looking in on the rest of society. And yet, this is the man Jesus chose to save. I wonder how it went. According to Matthew, Jesus just walks up to the tax booth where Matthew collects all the money that is owed. And Jesus, I can imagine, knocks on the window. Matthew opens it and Jesus looks through and... Jesus simply said these words, follow me. And according to Matthew, that's it. Follow me. And so Matthew did. He left it all behind. All his money, all his further franchise opportunities to make more money. He left behind the possible wrath of the Romans for giving up his tax booth like that. But Matthew wasn't scared. Matthew forsook it all to follow Jesus. That's Matthew's story. According to Matthew, Jesus came to him and said, follow me, and he did. Matthew wasn't saved out of some big battle off some huge cliff, fighting his own personal demons. He might have been, but in the story Matthew tells, Jesus says, follow me, and Matthew did. Like I said, not an exciting story, but what God did with this simple act of obedience, now that's exciting. Matthew is the man who would write this book. Matthew is the man who left this book inspired by the Holy Spirit. He wrote the very words that God wanted him to write. And we get to read today. That's Matthew. Matthew is also the man who, according to church history, would later start and spread the church to other countries, such as areas of modern-day Turkey and parts of the continent of Africa. And then later, Matthew would be martyred in the country of Ethiopia. Why? Because he was preaching Jesus. And according to church tradition, somebody killed him with a spear while ministering and preaching the gospel of Jesus in the country of Ethiopia. I wonder the adventures Matthew went on. We're going to hear more about him in the book of Matthew as he tells it, but, you know, I hope that when Jesus calls me that I just obediently go and follow him like Matthew. And I hope that you are just like Matthew and that you go without hesitation. You get up and follow him, no questions asked. I hope you ask Jesus to save you. And then when you are saved, 
I hope that when he asks you to witness for him, or when he asks you to give up sin, or to follow him into some new exciting venue of ministry, man, I hope and pray you're like Matthew and you just obey and you follow him. Let's be like Matthew. Let's obediently follow. Let's have the most boring salvation story. Because at the end of the day, it's a story of repentance and obedience and following our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ, who makes the story exciting. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you'd like to listen to more Baldhead Bible Podcasts, please subscribe. New episodes added every week.